Welcome to Salt to Sugar, a podcast dedicated to helping you improve your mental health and find inner peace and fulfillment in the daily rat race. Author, addiction survivor, and spiritual leader Kelsey Peterson guides you on an introspective journey to help you heal and uncover your true purpose. And now your host, Kelsey Peterson. Welcome to the Salt to Sugar podcast. I am so glad that you're here. I'm so glad to be here. This episode is really special to me because it's the first time I bring on a guest to the Salt to Sugar podcast. And his name is David Fulcher. I introduced him in the episode, um, but he is an amazing person with a lot of wisdom and leadership uh, when it comes to making changes that we want for our lives. So that's mainly what we talk about. Uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, please subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. That helps me and that helps make sure that you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks. Enjoy. Okay. Welcome to the Salt to Sugar podcast. I am with a very special guest today. His name is David Fulcher. David Fulcher played football for ASU. He then went on to play in the NFL for the Cincinnati Bengals, where he was viewed as one of the top defensive backs in the NFL. In 2017, David was named as one of the all-time Cincinnati Bengals. After retiring from the NFL, David continued to serve with this leadership. He is an alumni president for the Walter Camp Football Foundation. He is active in fundraising and awareness for MS. And lastly, he founded the nonprofit MANA, Mentoring Against Negative Actions, where he works with inmates to teach them life skills. Wow. <laughs> what an intro, right? What an intro. <laughs> You're oh, <good>. incredible. <laughs> you know, I, um, you know, I was blessed with, uh, I think, at a young age coming out from California that um, life is more important than anything else. Um, as, as good as I was as a football player, I still had a life to live. And I just try to try to take that approach everywhere and every day of my life. Every time I go somewhere, I feel like I'm teaching or coaching. When I sat down and talked to you, I felt like I was teaching and coaching. Just a simple fact, because that, that's just me. You know, I'm, I'm there for a golf tournament. And I'm talking life skills. I'm talking about doing something differently than you did a day before. So um, I really appreciate being on your podcast. And uh, and hopefully I'll, I'll touch somebody by just listening to what we're saying. Oh, thank you so much for coming on to my podcast because I primarily talk about life. <laughs> That's what I do on here. Um, and mental health specifically. And, um, and so much of that goes into like purpose and you have like a really strong internal compass for purpose. I mean, you're a leader, um, but can you talk a little bit about, about your purpose, how you found it, how you, how maybe it's changed over the years? Well, you know, you know, it's funny because, you know, I'll be 59 in, in a couple of months. And I remember when I was six or seven years old in Los Angeles, and all the things that were going on in L.A., the drive-by shooting, the helicopters flying over every night, um, drug dealers and drug uh, transactions going right through your front yard, through your backyard. And, you know, I, I saw a lot of that stuff and it wasn't for me. 
you know, I, my friends were all drug dealers. My friends were all gangbangers. Uh, my high school football team had 60 kids on the team and 50 of them were gangbangers, uh, Bloods and the Crips. So they, we, we fought each other in practice, but then we fought the, uh, the opponent during, uh, when the game was over. But I've always had it in my mind to learn from my mistakes or learn from other people's mistakes. So when I saw those do bad things, I stayed away from them. I tried to hang around those people who did good things and I try to do those good things and not all, all the time it went well, but I knew if I didn't do the bad things, I couldn't get in trouble. And I think for me, I, I just feel like I have this blessing that I could touch someone without putting my hand on them, but just by the word of mouth. And when I talk to people, I, I can see it in their eyes and see it in their face, their expressions, see it in their voice, you know, body language. I saw it in your face. I saw it in your body language as I was talking to you, that what I was saying meant something to her. In this case, meant something to you. And I said, well, let me, let me just try to continue to keep saying these things. And maybe I can see, um, or hopefully I can lift you up with the words that I say. And not everybody gets it, okay? You know, I always tell people, when you do it the first time, it's a mistake. After you do it, the, after that, you know, two or three times later, it becomes a habit, a bad habit or a good habit, whatever it may be. And as I was sitting there at the table talking to you and the other gentlemen and, and the other guys that were sitting there with us, you know, all I'm trying to do is deliver a message. You know, and I feel like the message that I do deliver um, is a good one because I follow those, those steps. I think that's what happens to people in the world. When they tell somebody to do something and then they don't do it, then you shouldn't tell people to do it. But you have to practice and do what you say you're going to do before you can reach out to somebody else. Yeah, um, you you do have that. I mean, and I'll tell everyone that's listening, like you and I met at a fundraiser and I I, I didn't even know. I, I knew there was going to be, like, it was like an all-star fundraiser or something, but then I'm seeing all these big Super Bowl rings and, and uh, Hall of Fame rings. So it was incredible. It was so cool because um, here are these people that have such a strong discipline character to achieve such big things. And I, I was just so excited to eat up your words and, and, and then to find out that you work with inmates and you give back so much. I was just enthralled with our conversation. So I'm hoping we can just kind of redo that for the, for the podcast listeners um, so that they can get what I got out of that conversation too, um, which is that I think, I think what you were touching on, which is you're, you live by a set of rules kind of for yourself and and you teach these inmates those rules so can you talk about some of the highlights of what you go through with these inmates well sure so you know I, I work with these guys four days a week um uh, there's a veteran pod that I work with and then there's a uh, we call it the IOP the those guys are just the regular guys who come to jail and the, you know those the, the the regular IOP guys are a little bit different from the the, the veterans because the LP guys, man, they 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 think they know everything. They do. They think they know everything. And and I always ask them when I talk to them. I say, you know so much, but you keep coming to jail. So let's do something different. Um, but when I first started this, oh, about twenty five years ago, I thought about how do I make an impact. A lot of people followed me playing football, and that guy that played football, that was his job. I had to hit people, or I would have got hit. 
or hit. Um, I had to lead by example. I knew people were watching me. So I wanted to do it the way that when people say, wow, I want to be like him on the football field. Not as a man, but the football player. And then I started thinking when I started MANA, Mentoring Against Negative Actions, how I could mentor someone who's been through the negative actions. And that's where it came from. One of the, the guys in my class said, hey, we should call this MANA, Mentoring Against Negative Actions. I'm like, wow, you know what? I was thinking about that. And that's pretty good because what better person to lead by example than somebody that's been there and done that? You can go out and get a, you know, 50-year-old professor, black or white, who's never been in jail, and you ask him to sit down and talk to someone who's in jail. Well, he's going to start talking about, you know, the X's and O's of education, not the X's and O's of real street talk, being in, you know, the drug problems or the gang problems and just thug life. He's not going to talk about that. So he has no idea. Not only that, the guy that's sitting across from him who has on the stripes don't know nothing about education because they've only been educated to rob, steal, and cheat. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking to myself, well, I got to, I got to, I think I got a way of contacting and talking to these people. Now, they're not different from me. You know, the only difference between them and I is a choice. You choose to do that. I choose to do this. Am I the best athlete that played the game? No. I thought I played okay. Um, I just had fun playing it. Uh, better at talking and telling people right from wrong. And once again, right from wrong, it's a choice. If you choose to do this, there's a consequence. There's a good and a bad coming from it. If you change the way you think, the choices that you make will change your life. So the MANA program teaches to me common sense, talking about making a better choice. If you're a father and you've got a kid, you have to be the best example for that kid. That kid watches, whether it's a boy or a girl, they look up to that daddy because they want to be like that daddy. And if you're a mama, it's the same way. So if your daughter, if you're expecting your daughter to be a woman and you're not showing her to be a woman, she's not going to be that woman because that's what she doesn't know what a woman's to be about because you're her example. You're her manna. And when you do the things you're supposed to do, that daughter, that son, is going to follow you. And I talked to you about this a while ago about how my daughter struggles with relationships because she's trying to find her daddy and every guy she talks to. <laughs> and I understand what because her dad tough did to live that. up to. <laughs> did that. So she's her upbringing was no. When you're wrong, you're wrong. Well, she's looking for that guy that treats her mom and her and her brother. And now my three granddaughters, exactly the same way. You know, my son used to get mad at me because I would, you know, get on his daughters and he go, dad, you can't do that. I said, sure, I can't, but I probably could because I did you the same way. So my son is raising his three daughters exactly the same way I raised him. No means no. And they yeah. struggle with that. But the program that I set up many, many years ago with Mana, it's all about teaching. It's all about listening. Because not everybody is going through what you're going through or what you've been through and what you've seen. So listening is the key. I listen. I don't come back and say you're wrong. I just go, well, why don't you try it this way? You know, if you're going to try it this way, because what you've been doing before doesn't work. So try it this way. 
and see what happens. And most of them try it, what I'm talking about. And then I'll get a phone call once they get out and they say thank you. That's great. I remember you told me I was really shocked by the amount because basically how it works is you go into into the prison. Yeah. You give them your contact information and say, when you're out, call me. And then they will choose to call you or not. And you basically promise them that, like, if they call you, you'll give them a you'll get a job for them. So they either call you or they don't. Um, and then and then if they do. They get this job and then they have to go to the job every day. And if they don't, you know, they get fired like everyone else. Um, and, and I was like, oh, man, how many how many people succeed in that? That's a lot. Like, I mean, normal, like normal expectations for for people that haven't been in the system. But it's 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 asking a lot, I think. So I, so I was surprised to hear the percentage of, of success that you have. You want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, the, the thing about it is this. I, I always, and I try to throw, because I'm a football player, I think football mindset or mentality or just scenarios. Um, but I also threw this one out there too, that normally when you're hungry, you go to the refrigerator and you find something to eat. You open up the door, you look in there, you see some food, you get it. And if you don't want something in there, you normally would get on in your car and you drive to a restaurant and, and fast food and buy something to eat. So I use myself. I'm the refrigerator. When a guy says he wants to work, you have to call me. When you're hungry, you open the refrigerator. Well, David Fulcher is the refrigerator in your life. So when you don't call me, then don't say you're hungry because I can't feed you if you don't call me. So I put it in their hands. If you want to change, make that phone call. Now, don't get me wrong. Most of the guys and a lot of my percentages come from one, are they sentenced? Are they pre-sentenced? Two, if they're sentenced, they got to serve some time. If they're not sentenced, we have to wait to figure out what that time is. Or they've been sentenced and they're getting out. So when a guy gets out and he goes back to the population, he's got David Fulcher's number. And I'm, wait I'm, I'm not waiting for his call, but when he calls me, I know he's hungry. So when he calls me, then I contact the company that I know will help me with my guys that are incarcerated or getting out. And then it's up to you now to make the contact with them because they're waiting on your call. If you don't call them, you don't get fed. So when they call them, probably 90% of them that make that phone call will get a job. And once again, the, the companies that I work with aren't checking the background. They're not concerned about what they did. And like I said, I don't deal with um, really, really high offenders, um, murderers, sex offenders, don't do that stuff. I deal with guys, you know, the petty stuff, the petty theft, you know, the, the, the drug user, the drug seller, you know, the, 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 the guy who robbed the store, or, you know, the guy who, you know, did some things that is not warranting 10, 20 years of his life. But the door is only open. It's open. You have to go in the door. So when I tell a guy that he's got a chance to get a job, you have to be hungry. And that job is Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. It could be 4 to 11. It could be 4 to 3. It could be something like that. But it's a job that you have to go work. And many of those guys have made a commitment to change. And then some guys, that habit just can't be broken. They'll get there Monday, Tuesday. 
because they're so tired, they don't want to go Wednesday, and then they try to go in Thursday, and they're fired. And I explained that to them before I even mentioned anything about working. Because if you're tired of being tired, do something different. Yeah, about like the whole doing an opposite action and learning what that is. I mean, they're really lucky that they have you to tell them like, this is the opposite action you should do. But but it's it's often a lot more complicated than that for an individual. Like you were saying, you have to listen to them. Like it's it's there's a lot of we were talking about this, a lot of mental health issues like um, and thought patterns that they've had. So what. I guess what are you, what do you most commonly see as like what gets in people's way for change? Because I feel like we're just talking about regular people. Everybody has has trouble changing something in their lives, whether whether it's the the behavior that got them into prison or or a behavior that's just leading them down a road of of depression for the last ten years. You know, it's like it, doing that opposite action is so hard. What what do you see as like the biggest like culprit to to people's selves and like and then how do you help them through that well you know it, it's it's tough because i believe that everybody that's walking the earth has a little bit of mental issue going on whether it's <laughs> minute or it's blown out of proportion and it's crazy so first and foremost you gotta you know it's 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 like me i'm a type 2 diabetic and i have to realize that that's who i am that's what i'm gonna be probably for the rest of my life can I manage it? Yes. But I had to go to someone to talk about it, to get it fixed, to have it uh, leveled off. Um, and there may be some medicines that I have to take because I'm a type two, not a type one. Type one, you're, you're taking insulin shots all the time. I'm not. I'm taking a, a, a form of couple of pills to, to regulate and make things go. So if, if I have, that's why I say man is a little different. Man is more common sense than it is, take this, do that. Let's talk about it. Well, you know, talking sometimes doesn't help people, but if you're talking about it and I'm talking about it and 10 other people are talking about it and we're all sitting there, we're all working for the same common goal. So you have to get help. But once again, you have to accept the and then change it as you go on. Does that make sense? And once you change it and you get the help, now you have to maintain Monday through Sunday. From day to day, all day, every day, do things to the positive. One, start surrounding yourself with people who are thinking like you. And don't be afraid of the ones who see you change. You put your hand up and tell them not today. And I think for people to approach it that way, that's always work for somebody because this is a process gonna be for the rest of your life and as long as you're doing that you got to keep it like talking to someone changing your surroundings and keeping people in your life that are positive that's that can be hard for people that have um like family members that are involved in in their old life like um how how do you navigate that with with these folks no, no, <laughs> I just no. I have so many questions for you I think your work is so cool and fascinating <laughs> I stuff because I had a gentleman uh, that was in one of the the jails and I came in there to teach him and 
he kind of was he was stand standoffish. He was sitting on the instead of coming down and sitting on the bench, he was sitting on the stairs at the top, looking down, and he wasn't liking what he was hearing. And um, I asked him, I said, hey, man, won't you come down and sit with us? He said, well, I'm just trying to check out this program and see what it's about. I said, well, I would rather you come down here and sit with all of us. That way you can kind of get a, a good feeling because you're sitting next to guys. Being up there, nobody really can see you. So then I just said, hey, man, I don't want to know what brought you in here. I'm glad I met you. I just want to see where you go from this day forward. So then he started telling me why he came in there. And I never asked him. So he goes, you know, I was at a family reunion. And uh, first of all, when I came in here, I came in on a, uh, on a gun charge. I can't be around guns. Okay, I understand. So he goes to a family reunion and his mom has a gun in the house. The neighbors, get, the neighbors said the party was getting too loud, so they called the cops. So the cops come to the house. They walk in the house and they're doing, obviously, illegal search. They can do what they want to do because they are police officers. They found the gun. Mom's her possession. They ran everybody's name in there, and his name came up with a gun charge. Mm -hmm. He can't be around it, so he gets arrested for a gun charge. So they bring him to jail, and he's sitting in there, and he's mad. Then he starts telling me, I can't believe they did this to me. I said, hey, I got a question for you. Did you not know you were supposed to be around guns? He go, yeah, but that was my mama's gun. I said, I got it. I'm trying to... I want you to understand what I'm saying to you, kid. I'm not telling you to stay away from your mama. But if your mom got a gun in the house, you can't be around that gun. So all of a sudden, he escalated. Oh, so you're telling me I can't go see my mama? I never said that, man. I'm just telling you, if you can't be around guns, and the gun's in your mama's house, put two and two together. Yeah. Don't, go, don't go to the house. And he kept fighting me, kept fighting me. So... When it was all said and done, everybody went their way and he was sitting on the steps and I just walked up to him and I said, hey man, I will never tell you not to be around your mama. I'm a mama's boy and I love my mama. I said, but I'm gonna tell you something. If my mama has something that I can't be around, then I'm gonna back off or tell my mom, get rid of that when I come. And he tried to understand it, but he was so upset because he got arrested because he didn't do anything wrong in his mind. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's what I say when I talk to people. Listen to what I'm telling you. Physically, you did not do anything wrong. But mentally, you was in the wrong place at the wrong time. So if I can get your mental state to say, there's a gun in the car. I'm not getting in the car. I'm going to walk. But man, if I get into the car, I'll get there in five minutes. If I walk, it's going to take me 40 minutes. But you shouldn't be around a gun. So mentally, I have to think what's best for me. Whether or not I should go to my mom's house or not. If, my, if I know my mom has a gun and it's a family reunion coming up and it's Friday and it starts Saturday, hey, mom, you need to remove your gun before I can come to the house. And that's just changing the way he thinks. Yeah. And when you don't think that way, you're going to go to that, that family reunion not even caring about that gun. But then as soon as something happens... Because he never thought that the police would come to that house and raid that house because it's a family reunion. Ain't nobody who cares about what goes on. Normally, at family reunion, there's a lot of alcohol and a lot of things that shouldn't be going. But he was right in the middle of it and he got busted and everybody was just standing there and watched him. And now he's in prison or 
in the, in the county jail for six mm -hmm. months for something that if he that gun wasn't there, he wouldn't. I never would have met him. Yeah, if he had made made boundaries for himself for his own success and everything, it it applies. Like when you're talking, I'm just thinking about like how that applies to my own life. Um, you know, what are my guns in my mother's house? You know, um, so it it does. Um, this work that you do, it's like so fascinating to me. What um, a lot of what you talk about is like discipline related. Um, is that mostly just driven by a need to change or is there a certain way you've been able to help instill discipline with people? Well, you know, like I said, I grew up on discipline. I grew up on common sense. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the newbies that are born today, the 2000 babies that are born aren't disciplined as I was when I was born in 1962. I'm sorry, 1964. <laughs> I went to college in 82. Um, you no know, no. Today, no means how many times you can ask before the parent says, okay, go ahead. Um, and discipline. I try to instill discipline every man and woman that I talk to. And discipline is this. First of all, when you're talking, I should be listening. I shouldn't be talking to my friend while the teacher is telling me what to do or someone telling me what to do. And most of the guys I talk to in jail, they do that. I could be talking to all of them and then they start a conversation somewhere else. And I asked them, I said, man, what did I just say? Listen to what I say because I hate to repeat it because you didn't hear it the first time. And that's, that's coming from, that's coming from way, way back. That's coming from old school. All parents should be teaching their kids discipline on paying attention to detail. So as soon as I tell you something, you should have bottled it up in your brain that this is how it's supposed to be. If you're a father and your dad was in jail when you were a kid, why are you doing it to your son and daughter? You didn't like it. If you're smoking or drinking in front of your, your kids and then when your kids do it, you get mad at them. No, you're doing it because they're doing it because they saw you do it. So discipline is not just tapping somebody on their back end because they did wrong. Discipline is the person who's opening up their mouth, showing by direction how it's supposed to be. So when you're disciplined with yourself and the things that you do, other people will see that and then they will follow your discipline. Mm -hmm. Be that natural leader. Yeah. Doesn't take yeah. much. Doesn't take much. Yeah, you're good at that. When, when you're um, talking about going to a doctor for diabetes. Um, I've brought up before in my podcast, like people go to doctors for their hearts, blood pressure, everything, like go to a doctor for mental health. Like it's, it's the same thing. People have such a stigma against mental health medication when people take medication for other things. Like how much do you see your clients getting help from, from, a mental health focus um, as in, in conjunction with your mentoring? Well, you know, they're, they're most <clears throat> people, not all of them, have a mental health physician that comes in and out of the jail. Um, may have them already being in the jail, so that means when something goes down, um, things go up. See, it, it, the problem is, just like a person who's an alcoholic, you have to admit that that's who you are. 
you know, you can't sit up and say, hey, I'm good, man. I can drink 10 beers. I'm going to be good. Well, you know, I've seen people drink 10 beers and, and uh, are fine, you know, and walk around like nothing ever happened. But to watch that guy drink 10 beers tells me that, you know, there's a little bit of alcoholism in him because he's just drinking and drinking and he can still co you know, coherent. But you have to admit that you have a problem and not admit that you have a problem to feel shamed or lowered in anybody. But you have a problem. And the only way you're going to fix that problem is get some help. So to, to go to see a mental uh, physician, mental health physician, is no different from me going to see my diabetic doctor. My diabetic doctor, when I go in and talk to her, she'll tell me, um, what have you been eating the last couple of weeks? Because your sugars are too high. And I can't sit up there and say, oh, no, I've been eating rabbit food. I've been eating salads. I got to be honest. Because if I'm not honest with her, and she already knows that I am not telling the truth, that's where the that's where the truth comes out. You know darn well that you have not been eating salads, David. You've been eating pizza and burgers and drinking sweet tea, and she knows that. So I have to be honest with myself if I'm going to go in there and tell her because she knows everything about me. Sitting there right now, she knows that my blood sugars are where they are because I share the app with her. So when I walk in there, I can't tell her, oh, my sugars are really low when she sees that they're not low. So the mental part of this is it's hard. It's hard because you have to share. You have to share situations and stuff that's going on because you're afraid for somebody to tell you that you made a mistake or you've done something wrong. It's okay. Because those that are telling you that are trying to help you be a better person throughout life. So take what they're saying, listen to what they're saying, and you'll be all right. Interesting. Do you see that a lot where you think people are scared to, to be honest with somebody that wants to help them because they're scared they're going to be told that they're wrong? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Uh, and, and a lot of and, ego? And that's just not the, the person who has a, a dealing with a mental issue. Yeah. That's life. Yeah. Everybody's got to be right. Everybody wants to be the boss. Too many bosses, not enough chiefs, not enough Indians. You know, everybody wants to be the lead guy. You know, you can't be the lead guy all the time. So all I can say to you is, is that if you're listening to somebody and they're telling you something that doesn't make sense, check it out before you start throwing punches. Listen to what they're saying. If it's not right, then you can sit up and get whoa. But if you know that you have an issue with something, and somebody's telling you about it, most likely the issue is not them telling you, it's you listening to them and changing the way you think. Yeah, like put aside your ego, find your refrigerator. <laughs> find your refrigerator. Find your refrigerator. How, like, for me, that refrigerator is a sponsor in the AA program, a therapist. Um, you're obviously people's refrigerators, but when they stop working with you, like, let's say they move on, like, how do you, how do people go about leaving your program and, and continue on and, and having refrigerators in their life? <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I can't be everybody's refrigerator. The time that you know me or the time that you meet me, I'm your refrigerator. Once you branch out on your own, once you graduate from high school, once you leave the house, you're going to have a refrigerator in your own house. Well, find that sponsor, find that purpose, find that person. 
it might be one of the guys that was in the class with you that you knew and you got out and you guys are working for the same common goal. Make sure you keep in contact with him. Stay in contact with me. I'm not asking you to call me every day. But if you're out there and something goes wrong three or four weeks in and you go, you know what, man, I feel like I need to go drink. Oh, wait a minute. Let me pick up this 513 number and let me call Mr. Dave. Hey, Mr. Dave, how you doing? What's going on, man? Oh, man, dude, I've been out for, you know, six months, eight months. And I was having this, this urge to do something crazy. And I called you. That's all I want you to do. Stay in contact with people who are thinking like you. And if David Fulcher is not that guy, Somebody out there is thinking the same way you're thinking. And it could be a family member. It could be family members that don't want you around them. That's okay. I have to prove that I belong there. How do I do that? Let me surround myself with people, do the right thing, show my family that I got a job that I've been working for eight months. I'm doing everything right. Hey, guys, guess what? David's back, and I'm doing the right thing. And that, that like I said, it sounds easy, just like people think, Football sounds easy. It's not easy. <laughs> not me. Not, I didn't it, say that. <laughs> there's a lot of work into it. So you have to work to be the best you need to be. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> sorry, I, I'm, I'm almost, I just want to get one more, one more question, if that's okay. okay. Um, we had a great conversation about purpose and how, how you've helped your kids with their purpose and, and how you have a purpose. Like, and that's kind of how we started the conversation. Can you, how do you help other, your loved ones, yourself, like, f like find a purpose and, and live by it and have it help them? So listen, we all wake up in the morning and we try to do the best that we can. We, our, our, our purpose is to serve God first and then our families is part of God. So it's not like I'm going to serve God and not serve my wife. My wife and my, my family, they're all in the same speaking category. So as long as I know I'm, my purpose is to serve him, if I serve him correctly, then I've got to be treating my wife and my kids and my granddaughters the same way. I can't treat him one way and treat her the other way. You know, it's like uh, mm -hmm. I, hear the, I hear the guys in jail, they'll call each other a bad name because that's how they communicate. And then when the sheriff walks in, they go, how you doing, sheriff? I say, wait a minute, if you're going to talk to the sheriff like that, you should talk to him the same way. So the purpose is treat people the way I want to be treated. Talk to people the way I want to be talked to. Smile at people, wave at them because you want to wave back. Doesn't mean you have to get one, but if you give to people, you'll get it. Whatever you give to them, they're going to give it to you. So if you give them respect and kindness, you should get it from them. But if you don't, that doesn't mean life is over because maybe they've got some issues going on that you cannot fix. So fix yours first before you try to fix somebody else's. That's beautiful. I, I love that. Living with God and having just, just working on your own thoughts on how to give to the world what, what you want to receive back. So. so I always tell people this here, and I say this to you as I was sitting at the table with you. I said, at the end of the day, ask yourself, did I do it right? And if you say, if you say, yes, you did it right, that's it. Nothing else matters. If you go, did I do it right? And you thought you did it wrong. Then let me look back at the things that I did today and figure out exactly, did I say it right? So, man, I was talking to a guy um, and he, we were talking about something and 
I can remember that when he asked me a question, I looked at the ground instead of looking at him. Okay, the next time I have that conversation, I'm not looking at the ground. I'm going to look right at him and I'm going to answer that person's question. It may not be him, but it may be somebody else. So that's where you said, I didn't do it all right today. But if you walk out of that conversation, like you and I had the conversation that day. And let me tell you something about that conversation. So I, I got up and I went to go get either my food or I left somewhere and you guys were still sitting there. I got distracted and started talking to people. And about 20, 30 minutes later, I come back to the table. You guys were gone. So was your book. They, they cleaned up the whole table and threw everything in the trash. Oh, no. I walked around that tent from table to table, from trash can to trash can. I couldn't believe that they cleaned it up. The third, probably the third trash can out from our table, this lady was with me. And she put her hand, and we kept looking through trash cans. Open up the trash can, and there was your book. <laughs> you and hold my book out of a trash can. They threw that book in the trash. They thought I was gone. Yeah. Leaving it there because I was coming back. My drink was still half full. My food was still on the table, and they cleaned it off. And I got that book out, and I went to the table, and I grabbed the, 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 paper, uh, the tablecloth, and I wiped the book off. And I brought that book home, and I said to myself, I could be mad because I was starting to, you know, starting to boil up a little bit because I couldn't believe they threw it in the trash. But I found the book and I got it. And I said to myself, I can be mad about it, but I got the book. And if I didn't find that book, I know where I can get another one. So yeah, that, I would have just sent you one. <laughs> tell people you can only control what you can control. Because mm -hmm. you try to control other people, you're, you're, you're in a losing battle. And by that book being thrown away, I can only control what I can control. So that's why I walked around to six or seven trash cans until I found it. And once I found it, it didn't leave my hand. When I got back to my uh, hotel room, I put the book in my suitcase. That night when I walked in there because I said, it's not going to get lost again. Because that was my fault in a sense. But I couldn't blame anybody else because the people who were cleaning the tables off, they had a job to do. So I can only control me and not them. Well, it's so funny that you bring up that because I literally said to Ro, the, the gentleman that I was with, um, I was like, oh, I don't know if David left or not. I, I should I should um, grab the book just so they don't like toss it or anything. Like I literally thought about that and was and he's like, no, he didn't leave. I saw him socializing somewhere. And I was like, okay, I guess he'll come back. And get it. If not, I have his email. I'll send him one. I'm sure he'll let me know if he didn't get it. But it was it's just so funny. I thought about the worst case scenario happening too. And it sure did. <laughs> It did happen. <laughs> Put a book in the trash. <laughs> like I said, I mean, mentally, the mental part of me was like, oh my gosh, where's my book? They threw the book away. Oh my gosh, she gave me this book. And now if they, somebody threw it in the trash. And I'm thinking, oh man, I got to find this book. Because you gave me that book out of the kindness of your heart. I need to go find it. And when I found it, I went, Phew. you know, I can only control what I can control. So I said to myself, when I got that book in my hand, it's going right to my room. Even though those guys stood out there and wanted to talk, I took that thing to my room, put it in my suitcase, and then went back to the tent. Yeah, I, I think that is a really good, you're so good at these metaphors. Like you're just piling them on this whole conversation. I'm just eating it up. Um, but that's a really good metaphor for like making a mistake and just, and being like, well, 
there was only so so much I can do. Let's learn from it and try next time. Like I, I use this metaphor, we, we shine light in the dark and then we'll stumble over rocks if, if the light doesn't hit the rock before we stumble. And then all we can do is check out that rock with the light and figure out more about it, know it's there and then continue on the path and there will be more rocks. Yeah, um, just, just remember, you made a mistake. Yeah. You can't make that mistake again because that mistake now becomes a habit. Yes. We're gonna, we're gonna make mistakes. We're gonna continue to keep making mistakes for the rest of our life because Christ made those mistakes and he, he, he you know, he was punished for. So our sins mm -hmm. are gonna be looked look past because Christ has helped us. But you can't keep making the same mistake over and over and over again and expect different results. So change the way you think, change your mistakes, turn those mistakes into positive things. And once again, just because you do everything right doesn't mean it's going to be peaches and cream. I've, I've played many football games where I've had 20 tackles in a game and we lost. I made games where I had one tackle, missed a whole lot of them, and we won. So I say to myself, do I take the winning over the missed tackles or do I take all the tackles mm. over the losses? My God is to win football games and win championships. If we win a football game and I only had one tackle and I missed a whole lot of them, you know what I do now? I go back and look at the film so I don't make those mistakes again. And in life, mm -hmm. you go back and look at the mistake that you made. You look at the film so you don't make those mistakes again and you have a better day tomorrow. I love that. I, I am so freaking honored that you joined me on my podcast and just thank you so much. I feel like God intervened and had us sit next to each other and talk and um, now it's just to meet you and get all the, all this wisdom from you. So thank you so much. Um, I am, um, I told my podcast buddy um, and David and David's name is David Coleman with, with a D square or David and David. Um, we do, we did an ASU uh, podcast last year for the football team and uh, for, for um, Believe in Arizona State. Believe is the company. Um, and I told David about you, and he says, I've got to have her on my podcast. Oh, that sounds awesome. Hey, David, David Coleman is a world-renowned motivational speaker. He, if you can look him up, he, um, mm -hmm. he's called the Dating Doctor. The Dating Doctor? Yeah, he, he goes around colleges, and he speaks to colleges on dating. Oh. And he's good at what he does, man. He is so good. I've been knowing him for about 20 years and I met him through the church. Oh. He's one of my best buddies. And I told him about you. I sent him your, uh, I sent him your information. I think he even saw one of your, uh, one of your podcasts and you were talking. I think you were, I'm not sure exactly which one it was, but you were, uh, Oh, I, I can't remember. Um, but I sent it in your name oh. and what he said to me was because David, David has his pot. One of his, his podcasts is, um, community conversations talking about community talking about uh, mental health issues that's what he does i love that and he said to me he said i've got to have her on my podcast and i said dave maybe you and i should get on her podcast he says yeah we could do that but i want her on my podcast so <laughs> i'm going to give david your information your email and have him contact you because i'm telling you when you talk to this guy you thought that i was Okay, or good? You're they, amazing. <laughs> they, ten times better than me. Wow. I respect him that much, and I'm telling you, he 
he is he is a gift. He is a gift. He talked about dating. He talks about everything in life. He talks about mental issues. He talked about, I'm telling you, when you talk to David, he's going to blow you away. He's a good wow. dude. Oh, so, I'm so excited. I thank you for um, doing this with me and let me come on here. And like I said, when I was sitting at the table, I said, you know what? This is what I do. You know, I'm, I, I, I was supposed to be in the jail today, um, but there were there was some stuff going on in the jail, so I didn't go. But if I was with the jail, I probably wouldn't talk to you. But I got to go tomorrow. And then I'm coming, I'm coming to Arizona. I'm, uh, my wife and I are flying out Wednesday morning. We'll oh, be there cool. for a week. We'll be there for a week. So we're coming down. I have my football camp on Saturday at ASU Stadium. Um, I have a golf tournament, alumni golf tournament I'm playing in Friday. And then my wife will be there. We'll be there from Wednesday to Wednesday. Maybe we'll try to find out where you are. We can hook up and I can introduce you to you. That would be awesome. I would absolutely love that. Yeah, we'll we'll email and back and forth, and I'll let you know when we're in town. I think you know, yeah, I think we get in Wednesday. Um, and that's my daughter calling, and I keep putting her through voicemail, so I should probably <laughs> yeah. I'll let I'll let you go. Thank you so much, David. Um, it, you're you're truly amazing inspiration, and um, I'll let you go. Thank you so much. All right. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to Salt to Sugar. You're officially one step closer to becoming your best self. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss a future episode. Remember, you are not alone. For more information or to connect with Kelsey, you can find her on Instagram at Kelsey Pete. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.